grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have these beautiful words from our psalm. Hear the psalmist call out to God with longing. Oh, oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. That was his longing. Then when he looked at the things that he did in his life, the things that he said in his mouth, thought in his mind, that all of them together would be focused upon keeping God's statutes because his statutes are good and holy and filled with love. They are beautiful and true. Keeping them is what makes our lives healthy. The types of things that God commands are the things that are good for people. The types of things that God forbids are the kinds of things that harm people, that harm relationships, that harm families and communities, congregations and countries. The types of things that God commands are good for life. The kinds of things that he forbids, those things are the ways of death. So when God gives his law, it is a beautiful thing. And Psalm 119 describes someone who longs to keep that law, who longs to have his life be one that is directed by that law and receives from God in his grace the good things that God can give. Now, we don't often think of the law in that way because when we think of the law of God, we often think of its, per, of its uses in particular, right? And you know from your catechism days that the law has three uses. The first use of the law is as a curb. The world is filled with wicked people that have no care for God and no care for his good ways, but instead desire to do simply the things that please them, no matter what the consequences to those around them. And so the law works as a curb in societies around the world that basically says you can't kill people, you should be good to them, you can't steal stuff, you need to protect life, etc., etc. And it works pretty well in many circumstances, not so well in others. But it does curb evil. The second use of the law is a mirror. It shows you who you truly are. You take a look in the mirror of the law, just like you might take a look in a mirror before you go out for the day, and you could see, are your clothes clean or dirty? Are they on straight? Do you have anything stuck between your teeth? You could see yourself, correct? Right? The law is perfect and speaks perfectly of love. It speaks perfectly of what is good and true. So when you look at it and you think, How do I live up to this law? It shows you the places where you have sinned, the places where you are imperfect, the places where you have not loved God, not loved your neighbor. The law shows you this. And that's not a pleasant experience, is it? And therefore, because this is such an important part of our walk with God to see who we truly are, 
And because that seeing who we truly are is often not very pleasant, we tend to think of the law as being an unpleasant thing, right? A thing that condemns us of our sins. A law that says to us that we deserve to die. And who could love something that condemns you? But dear friends, the law of God is good. The law of God is beautiful and true. The law of God speaks things that protect those who are weak, that guide those who are strong. It speaks wisdom to men and to women, to young and to old, to families, to single, to everybody. It speaks things to the entire community and to people when they're alone in their bed at night. Law of God speaks the way of love. We live in a society that talks a lot about wanting to embrace love. Well, the true way of love, the true way of loving, is described for us in the law of God. Things that do not measure up to it simply are not loving. And so we treasure the even though it shows us that we have sinned. But as we hear that law, we are called upon by God not merely to say, well, there's no way I could keep that. Nothing I can do about that. Why, if I can't keep it perfectly, why even try? The psalmist tells us that he longs for his heart to be in line with the law. There's a longing, a longing, a desire, a hunger, you see, for the things that he desires to be the things that God desires, for the things that he thinks to be the things that are in line with God's thoughts, for the things that he says to be in line with the loving word of God. He longs for those times where his natural reaction in all situations is to do the loving thing, Not with regret, not with frustration, but with absolute joy because it pleases God and serves his neighbor. He longs for that. That kind of longing does not come from our natural person. That kind of longing comes from faith. Faith. How can it come from faith? comes from faith because when the law comes and shows you that you have sinned, it's not up to you to begin to say, you know what? I got to fix this. I'm going to work on this. And by next, this time next year, boy, you better look. I'm going to have this down. And then God will like me. No. The law shows you your sin because you need your Savior. You need forgiveness. Correct? That's what our heart verse says for us. Remember, we talked about that at the beginning of the service. Paul, when he came into Corinth, was not going to give them self-help lessons or guidance on how to be more holy. When it came to telling them about their relationship with God, he said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified because only Jesus Christ and him crucified can wash away your sins and set you free from the guilt and the punishment which you have deserved because you broke the law. 
Only Jesus Christ and him crucified can wash away the times that you have done what is evil, harmed people that you cared about, even harmed your enemies who you ought to have cared about. All of the things that you've done that harmed your community and harmed your own self. The things you can't fix, no matter how bad you might want to. Only Christ crucified can wash away that guilt and that shame and leave you clean in his blood because he took your sins in his flesh. He bore them on the cross. He paid the full price and he rose from the dead to give you eternal life and so you now stand in his love, in his light, in his peace and you understand through the cross of Christ Jesus what it means to be loved to be loved perfectly, to have someone give everything to you, to hold nothing back from you. You understand in the gospel of the cross of Christ how God cares for you. And you stand there and are loved. You are loved, cleansed and forgiven, and truly profoundly loved by your Savior, Jesus Christ. No one loves you like he loves you. having been forgiven and standing in his love and knowing what it means now to receive love like that, when you may never have had anything close to it in your entire life, you have been loved in Christ. Now you say, Lord, now I know what it means to be loved. And what does 1 John say? We love because he first loved us, right? Now you say with the psalmist, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your law. Oh, that when I woke up in the morning, I would remember your love and how you treasure me. And so I would love and treasure those in my life. Oh, I would know how you forgive me. And so your forgiveness would bubble up through me to others who have wronged me. Oh, I would remember how you were faithful to me. And every single time I see my wife or I talk to my husband and I walk through my life with them as a spouse, I would always be faithful like you are faithful to me. I would be kind and compassionate to them as you have loved me. Oh, oh, that whenever I found somebody in need, I would have the strength and the wisdom to know what to do and how to help them to speak words of encouragement and kindness compassion. These are the kinds of things that our heart begins to desire when we know what it means to be loved the way Jesus loves us. And here's the thing. When you are loved by God, you understand that everything depends on his love. It's not you. It's not what you do that makes him love you. He loves because he's so good. He's so compassionate and merciful, and he's been loving you when you were the worst. Right? He gave everything when you hated him. Now that you love him, now that he is, you are his and know his love, how much more will he give you? And so you understand, I'm not doing loving things so that God will love me. I'm not going out to the people around me in need and helping them so that God will look down and put a check mark of good deeds by my 
name almost like some cosmic Santa. It's not it. But rather, having been loved by Christ, Christ lives in you, and the kinds of loving things that he loves to do are now in you. And the kinds of loving things that he loves to do look an awful lot like the law, doesn't it? freedom in Christ now, you don't look at that law as something that condemns you because you have sinned and broken it. You live in the freedom and forgiveness of Christ. But you still try to have compassion on those around you to not hate or speak cruelly to them, to love your spouse and be faithful to them, to care about your community and serve them because that's what Jesus wants. It's beautiful. Do you do it perfectly? No. No, you don't. You always live every day in the forgiveness of Christ because, boy, howdy, do you need it. But you also, having been forgiven, love as Christ has loved you. And do you want to hear something beautiful as we end? the great things about heaven that we don't often think about. Think about this. When you get to heaven, you will be able to love and enjoy things, find pleasure in things so deeply, so amazingly, so powerfully that it would blow your mind if you could understand it right at this moment. And you realize that when you get to heaven, completely forever washed by Christ, made holy in his blood, no longer will you even be able to desire that which is evil. No longer will you ever have to say, I wonder if what I'm thinking is good or bad. Should I say this or not say this? Do I want this or should I not want this? Because whatever it is, I really want it. You no longer will ever have to wonder if your thoughts, words, or deeds are loving because you won't be able to think things that are untrue. You won't be able to say things that are unkind. You won't be able to desire things that are not good, loving, and holy. For you finally will be perfect. And that which the psalmist says will be a reality in you for eternity. Your heart will be filled with the love of God. And it will be a beautiful existence. Can you imagine what it would be like to have every single thought and desire be something you can pursue with abandon and never have to feel bad about it or wonder about it or regret it? For you will be free. And if Christ makes you free, you are free indeed. So now we live in the freedom of Christ and his forgiveness. forward to the time we will live with him in heaven forever in his holiness. And that's a beautiful gift from him. We long for it. And in his time, he will give it. Amen. May the peace of Christ that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.